freaking racing. It's time to recap it. And who better to do it than Michael Newmagic? Two bros slash pros who cover the highs and lows of racing around the globe on every one of their shows. Real fans look forward to these guys and their last thoughts if they know they're not talking out of their royal ascot. What they say makes sense. So ladies and gents, sit back and relax as Blinkers Off presents The Magic Mike Show. Where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com. What's up, everybody? I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. And this is the Magic Mike Show, episode 371. Mr. Samich. Golden Gate, huzzah! Oh, boy, oh, you pulling excited. the football out? Oh, yeah, Can't it me. literally arrived like 10 minutes before we came on air. Yeah, this, uh, this wonderful Wilson L.A. Rams Super Bowl football. My son uh, turns one on Sunday, and uh, he's already an L.A. Rams fan, and he's got the shirt, the Super Bowl champ shirt, and now he's got the football to go with it. So uh, how does your super non-Super Bowl team doing over there, Mike? It's a draft night, man. It's a it's a new season here. Lots of upside for the Dolphins. We got a couple nice pickups there. A couple new weapons for Tua. So we'll probably go one game over 500 this year. Hey, there you go. Listen, we've got a special guest here. We are covering Golden Gate Fields' late pick four on Saturday, uh, April 30th, because it is Gold Rush weekend. What that means is that over the two days, April 30th, May 1st, Saturday, Sunday, they have eight stakes worth a total of $800,000 in purses. On top of that, the late pick four and the pick five pools for just Saturday and Sunday combined $600,000 guaranteed money in there. So we're going to try and take some of that. It's 200 k for the pick four. So we've got that to go, and we've got the voice of Golden Gate Fields himself, Matt Dinnerman here. Mike, I'm very excited to have Matt on. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I, uh, I have some specific Golden Gate questions that may change my ticket. Uh, this is not an easy sequence by any means. I'm going too deep in a leg with a 9-2 to shot and a 20-1 to shot. Uh, this, this thing will pay if it hits. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to kind of dive into this and get over it. I love me some Golden Gate, man. Uh, my two NHC runs are all thanks to Golden Gate. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm happy to go to this track and see if we can crush it. Hopefully give them some love and see if we can get these pools big. Because these these two cards are phenomenal. I got through Fridays uh, earlier today. I got through the late pick four here on Saturday. Started looking at some of the early races. We've got big competitive fields, which is what kind of leads to big time payouts. So hopefully people uh, show some love for Golden Gate this weekend. It is a, a huge weekend there. We're excited. Matt's here. Let's get into it, Mike. Riders up. Joining us now, and his face is half covered. Off to a great start already. There we go. There we go. There we go. Hi, guys. What is up, Matt? Simulcast host as well. So if you play Golden Gate in between the races, Matt's the one on the mic giving you advice about what's going on. Matt, thank you for joining us. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you know, they say that I have a decent enough voice, face for TV. I don't know. So even your graphics guy is giving me a signal here. At least he's being honest, right? <laughs> Matt, if, uh, before we get into it, we had a couple of angles, uh, uh, handicapping angles we wanted to ask you about. You are the expert expert for it. Mike's our local expert. You are the true expert. So uh, favorite <laughs> handicapping angles when it comes to Golden Gate. If it's a new player, hasn't been to the track before, and it's synthetic instead of dirt, what would you recommend for him? You know, I, I think that a horse that's patient and is tactical um, is it's very important. If you have a horse on the tapita, for example, that on dirt, for example, they're they're rank or they're a little bit aggressive. That doesn't always fare well for the tapita. If you have a horse that's nice and relaxed, that's a good thing. So 
if you get a horse from Southern California, for example, on the tapita and they're known to be a little bit of a runoff or has a tough time settling down, I really think that's a negative. Uh, and I think that really when you're looking at these races, you have to remember that whether it's turf or tapita, these races at Golden Gate are very trip dependent. Sometimes the best horses don't always win here. Sometimes the horses with the best trips win. And especially, and we'll talk about in the San Francisco Mile on the turf later on, I mean, that's going to be a race that the winner's probably going to get a good trip, and you're probably going to have a few horses that don't get good trips that could have won that uh, don't win. So I would say when you're looking at these races, try to figure out who's going to get the best trip, and that's very important. I love it, man. It's like we had a pre-production meeting here because you're leading right into my first question for you. How hard is it to win from the 14 post over that turf course going a mile? I mean, we've got a lot of the favorites in that first race who are set up outside. It makes it a lot harder to get a trip in a lot of places. What kind of run-up can we expect into that first turn? And how often do you see horses, you know, let's say from the 8, 9, 10 outside win bases going a mile over Golden Gate's turf? Yeah, I mean, it's about, I would say, uh, a little over a furlong into the first turn. Um, the turns are fairly tight here at Golden Gate Field. It's the same configuration as Santa Anita. It's the same configuration as Del Mar here in California, 7 eighths turf track. On the same token, the turns I think are a little bit tighter here. And I haven't seen, I've only seen one race where we've had 14 horses and I wasn't actually calling the race and they were coming out of the chute, a mile and a 16th on the turf. And the 14 hole did that horse no favors. I think it's going to be very difficult to win from out there. And I think that even though the field will be spread out, it's going to be packed up enough to where you're going to be caught wide into that turn, I think, from the outside. So that's a good, that is a good angle is, is be very wary when you get far outside going to turns. Yeah. What's a really overused angle that you might hear public touts or even just the public in general say, oh, I love this angle, this angle. You're like, that doesn't actually really work that well at Colton Gate. <sighs> I would say, well, <laughs> this is this one is a little bit, it doesn't work at Golden Gate, and it doesn't work as much for me. I think it's a very hit-or-miss angle as the first-time gelding angle. Um, and the reason is, specifically at Golden Gate, it, it, at a place like Keeneland, Santa Anita, Belmont, usually you can see a first-time gelding horse improve, and, and typically they can do that anywhere. At Golden Gate, if you've got, for example, a claiming horse, or just a decent enough horse It's a first-time gelding, I think it's a very hit-or-miss angle here. Um, I think, you know, sometimes horses really improve. Most of the time, I don't think it does that much, really. So that's sort of my uh, overused angle. It, it can be effective, but it's something that's very hit-or-miss, and I think that's anywhere. So I, I think that's a great one. I, I think people overplay it in claiming races, especially when you're at the higher levels and you geld a horse and then run them back into stakes or N2X or things like that. It makes a ton of sense when you geld the horse and drop it for 5k. I mean, it, right. it, you, you really expect that big of a jump, but it's, it's, it's definitely a good point there. One that I hear all the time is that speed over the synthetic is good. That closers, it's tough for closers to win at golden gate. I, when I watch, I don't necessarily see that that large of a bias over the main track. What do you think about the, how the main track plays? We've got a lot of speed horses here in one of the stakes races. Is speed good there? Is it is it a pretty fair track? What's really interesting is when I first got here, that was six years ago, when I was just the paddock analyst. I just would handicap before the races. Frank Miramati was calling here at the time. And the speed was not good. You had to get a clear lead. It had to be an easy lead. If there was any sort of duel on the lead, any sort of contentious pace, you weren't winning. I was always looking for horses off the pace. Um, 
Now you see a lot of speed horses go gate to wire, and I think it's a lot more fair. I wouldn't say that there's necessarily a speed bias every day. Have I seen a speed bias track for a race day? Sure. Uh, but I wouldn't say that's the case all the time. And I've also seen certain tracks that it plays towards off the pace horses. So it can even change during the day, these synthetic surfaces really. So, but I, I would caution watching a few races, seeing, okay, how's this track playing today? And then going from there when you're ready to make your money. Mike, do you have anything else? You ready to dive into this? I got one more. I got one more. Then I'm done. Uh, sneaky trainers. Like everyone knows Jonathan Wong, right? Everyone knows to play Jonathan Wong. People play horses coming from the south a lot. You'll see. You'll see those trainer gets trainers get played. Who doesn't take enough money in these pools from a training perspective? Who are some trainers that we should kind of take a look or a second look at when we're playing Golden Gate? One trainer that's very under the radar is Jack Steiner, and he's got a good percentage on the page. His horses can get bet. It's not that they don't get bet, but he typically gets overlooked. And Jonathan's a good horseman. Jonathan, for example, he is very good at spotting his horses. But at times, and this is not a knock on Jonathan, and Jonathan, I've talked to him about it, and he'll even say there are times where his horses get overbet. And you may look and you might gravitate towards his horses. You might say, oh, well, because it's Wong's horse, he must be ready to run a winning race. Sometimes they get overbet, and sometimes they go off at underlays, and sometimes they lose. And we've got good trainers here. I mean, Jack Steiner, one of them. Tim McKenna, he's having a really good meet. Steve Sherman's always been a household name here. Blaine Wright, his horses sometimes get overlooked in the betting pools, and Blaine can come with a price every now and then. Uh, and Jamie Thomas, he's another one that sometimes his horses can get overlooked as well. So those are just some names of trainers that are alternatives. You're, people are going to easily gravitate towards Jonathan's horses, but they're not unbeatable either. And you see some of these favorites of his get beat at low odds, and maybe they shouldn't be that low, and the payoffs increase because of it. I love it. I didn't use either of the standard horses, so I, got, I, might, I might be in trouble here. we got two of them in the late pick four. Uh, but I, I do like the Blaine Wright thing. We'll get to that one soon. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, you, you put smiles on both our faces talking about those trainers for different reasons. Beautiful. That's my job, to put smiles on your faces. That's why I'm here. <laughs> well, and Mike, I think it's a great transition right in the first race because we have, not only do we have a Jack Steiner horse, we also have a Blaine Wright horse that we're going to talk about. Uh, and this to kick off your late pick four, Matt, I don't know who was in charge of setting this up, but but race nine being the grade three San Francisco mile, this is like Led Zeppelin coming on stage and boom, starting with Stairway to Heaven. They're like, hey, here's the best thing we've got that you're going to absolutely love and you're going to go crazy about. Uh, Stairway to Heaven, you go crazy in a good way. This one, 14 horses, eight from Southern California. Mike and I were talking, this is insane. This is going to be a fun race, but from handicapping perspective, I, I'm kind of going crazy. So as the local expert, who is the best local horse in the San Francisco mile? The best local horse going right now is Tom's surprise, in my opinion, for Jack Steiner, coincidentally. <laughs> he, he is, a, he is a, a, a very sneaky good horse. He has a really big burst of speed. He's got a really nice turn of foot. He's by Tom's tribute, so not a surprise. He liked the turf last time. He's done a lot of his better runs on the synthetic. When he gets a pace, he comes with a big run. And there have been a couple races as of late where this horse has opened up on the competition against easier. And you can just see the burst of speed. You can see the strides change. And he's really got a nice kick. And I think it's going to set up well for him. He'll need to run the best race of his life to win. But he is a horse that's going under the radar. And for me, as a local horse, I will be using him on tickets. I think you have to. He's a very good horse. And he's better than maybe the page indicates. And he's going in the right direction. 
Yeah, I, I did use him. Um, and at 12 to 1, it's a great price. I was uh, a little surprised when I saw that. But you're right, Matt, from a, a buyer perspective especially, he needs to continue improving. But since Steiner claimed him in route races, he's four for six. That one bad uh, effort he had was when he was trying to turf sprint. So the fact that he's four for six off the routes and you know steadily strong buyers for this field – uh, for what this group could be. So I like him here, but Mike, I know you didn't use him. Do you want to tell us why? Yeah, he was actually my fifth horse in the race. I ended up going three deep here. For me, it was the post. Uh, it seems like to ask the most, to ask for the best effort of his horse's career while breaking from the 12th post and taking that step up in class to me was just a little bit too much to ask. I love the price. I think that you definitely see the horse running the best of his career, but this is this is significantly better. I mean, we're running 62 N2X and we're jumping up here into a grade three. You've got multiple horses shipping in here from Southern California. You got a couple horses coming off layoffs that I think are interesting. Um, it's just to me, the waters are really deep here. And if, if he drew the two, I'd be a lot more interested because then I know we're going to save ground around that first turn and we're going to be able to set up that big run. If we get the right split around the second turn, we can come chugging from the 12. It's going to be tough to be able to save any ground on either turn. And so to be able to to ask him to do that. And then be able to get up, I think, maybe a little bit too much. Yeah, slightly worried about him getting shuffled back farther than uh, than he could stand to have, have happen. But I like the progression. Uh, Mike, who is your top pick in this race? So I went with the four Vanzi, uh, four to one on the morning line. This horse is just – there is speed in here, but the speed isn't wonderful. I think Vanzi is the best of the tactical speed. I think you're going to see him sit right behind the leaders here, probably sit on the rail or maybe in the two-path in that second group, get first run on horses like Tiz Plus, who I think are going to struggle a little bit, being able to get the distance and the time here. Vanzi ran a 133-mile last time. That is tough against this field if we can replicate that time again. I like the fact that we're forwardly placed in this big field. I like the post. Uh, if you look at kind of everyone who is around him, the one, the two, the three, the five, they're all bigger prices. So you have him who's going to be one of the better horses breaking from the inside, has races to point to. And then, I, you know, I'm a sucker. Second off the layoff here at second out as a five-year-old. This is a logical improvement spot. That first effort was awesome. The race two back, I can draw a line through because we went six furlongs. And I also like the fact that, that Baltus is now training this horse. He's one of the better turf trainers in Southern California. Um, when he sends horses up to Northern California, they're usually very live. I don't think we're getting four to one on race day. I think this is going to be your favorite. Um, I think you're probably sitting somewhere around five to two or three to one, but I'm going three deep here. I think he's one of the ones you kind of have to include. Yeah, I used him and Matt, you're, you're not in your head too. I especially love Joe Bravo coming up to ride him. I thought he fits him perfectly. And the thing is, Richard Baltus has actually won this race the last two years. He won with Neptune Storm in 2020, and last year he won with Whisper Knots. So you've got a good trainer there. I would agree. He's probably the one to beat, but... Uh, you see numbers 13 and 14, or you can't see them, but we do have numbers 13 and 14 in this race. So uh, there's going to be some speed in this race for Vanzi to sort of track because right there, get her number. I think he's going to be up there, and Jimmy Blue Jeans, the local horse, is going to be up there, and I think the pace will be pretty swift. And Vanzi's going to get first jump on maybe a horse like Tom's Surprise or any of those types of horses that have a nice kick but sort of sit off and make a run. Uh, you actually brought up the top pick for me is five Jimmy Blue Jeans. And, and for me, okay. I think that this is speed of the speed, uh, especially if Tiz Plus doesn't go with or, or manages to get away. I think this horse is best at, you know, a mile, a, a mile and a 16th. You stretch off those nine furlong efforts, two and three back. And this horse is entering on a f uh, four race win streak. That includes a stakes win versus Calbreds. Now, ironically, that came at nine furlongs. But I really do think this horse is best at eight and a half. So um, I used him. But I'm guessing, Mike, you think that he's cheap speed or there's too much speed and he's not going to hold on? 
I agree with Matt. I think there's a lot of speed in here. I like the four because you can be tactical with it, but I'm not going to use anyone else who's going to be on the lead here. I think this thing could actually collapse. Um, it's what drew me to the local horse, number six, Evening Sun, who made a huge move last time. And when I watch back that replay, it wasn't just a huge move. He kind of got stopped a couple times. It was a bad trip and was still able to, to, to get the job done and get up. So I think the six evening sun is really interesting here. Um, it, it ran down in Southern, I'm sorry, ran down in Southern California last time to beat Tiz Plus, but he pulled the entire time and then he had to get steadied and then he got up, but he was able to still kind of surge toward the wire and be able to get up. Buyers have been improving, so I think that's a positive. I think the pace sets up well for Evening Sun, so I think that's a positive. Um, and I, I, I like the six to one price, which I actually think might float up a little bit here. Yeah, I like it. He has he uh, really hasn't had a bad turf route race since he came to America. Two of his three wins have been in America. Uh, he should be three for four, but uh, he was DQ'd last July. We'll forget about that. Um, but eight, eight and a half, nine furlongs. This horse, this it seems like right in his uh, right in his wheelhouse. Matt, you like the six as well? At least you think he should be on tickets. I, I think he's interesting because for one, Jeff Mullins has always liked this horse. He really has, and this horse has had some unlucky trips. And like you said. Uh, he already had an unlucky trip last time and still won. So I think he's going in the right direction. And before the nominations came out, I was just sort of scouting horses down south that might be interested in running in a race like this. And I think it's a perfect spot for him. I mean, he's pretty much run through all of his conditions. Speed figures indicate he fits. And I think he's a very interesting horse at 6-1. to one. So I, I'm sort of with Mike on that. Uh, Mike, I went five deep. You went three deep. We've covered all of the ones except for the last one we agree on. The number 10, Noldy, at 20 to 1. Go ahead. Uh, last two times we saw this horse, it lost to Mo Fuerza. There's absolutely no shame in that. We haven't seen uh, seen Noldy since uh, November 30th, 2019, the Grade 1 Hollywood Derby. Look, it is a long layoff. We're switching barns from the Sheriff Barn over to the Steve Sherman Barn. But what caught my eye here was not only the back class that you have here. So this horse was, was very good two years ago when he was running, but also the workouts and everything that we've seen coming back here. I uh, got a bullet on April 23rd, first of 64. Every workout is, is essentially running that 12 pattern where you're 12 seconds or less for each furlong. This horse had a ton of talent early on in its career, and, and we just had a long layoff here. The fact that you're coming back in this spot is yes. what really drew me to this horse. Um this is super aggressive. I mean, 2019 was literally three years ago. This is a, this is a what, almost a 28-month, 29-month layoff here that we're coming back from? And to, to decide that we're going to put this horse back in a grade three tells you those, those workouts are legit, and this horse still has a ton of talent. So at 20 to 1, I'm willing to take a little bit of a flyer here and, and see what happens with Null Day. I like Vanzi. I like Evening Sun quite a bit, but I, just, I can't leave Null Day off at that price. Yeah, and it's you're right. I mean, you've got ten other stakes winners facing him. He's there's eleven stakes horses in or stakes winners in this race, and he's one of them. But to, you're right. Uh, you could have uh, not to pick on my home track, Santa Anita, but they're kind of begging for horses to race down there right now and fill a card. It Nolde wanted to come back at an optional claimer that was written with a condition that you know non-winners have won in the last twenty-seven months. He goes <laughs> in there, right? You can easily fit this horse into a San Anita optional claimer and get him that rust knocked off. And and they said no, we're going to uh, Matt either your biggest race of your entire meet or second biggest race with the El Camino Real. So uh, my one question, Matt, Steve Sherman actually in the DRF article for this uh, preview. He didn't seem excited, and he said, if we got third or better, it would be huge. I'd be tickled to death. Getting third or better would be like winning. So I need to know from you, the expert, is he just kind of BSing us? Is he trying to make us feel a little like, don't get too excited? Or what do we read into this? 
Uh, Steve's very honest. He's very forthcoming. He's 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 a he's a pretty honest guy. So I, I think what he's saying is exactly what it is. It's a lot to ask of a horse. I mean, he obviously is doing it in a way that Steve thinks in the mornings. Well, this horse still has some ability because when you're off for you know over two years, you have to wonder, okay, what are they going to be like when they come back? I've been hearing from people that have watched his workouts that he worked with a horse named American Farmer the other morning, who's a very nice horse up here. He was actually thinking about running in this race, and they're just going to wait for the All-American because it seems like he likes to pita more. And they said that Noldy was all out to keep up with American Farmer, and American Farmer was going a little bit easier. Uh, but Noldy has been working quickly, and sometimes these horses, when they run in the afternoon or even get to turf. He's never run on a synthetic track, I don't think. So maybe if he gets back to the grass, that's really what he's going to be happy with. So Steve Sherman, one more thing. He's also not the type of trainer that's just going to throw a horse in a race because, well, it's 250000 Let's throw him in there. If he's coming off a long layoff like this, he must be sitting here saying, well, he, he's obviously got a little bit of ability still if he's running him in a race like this. So I, I mix signals. It's going to be tough, but I think Steve's probably a uh, probably being pretty forthcoming on this one the nice thing mike is that we're getting 20 to 1 this isn't like the 4 yeah. to 1 we're getting on fantasy so <laughs> we've got that going for us and i wanted to before we move on uh, matt you got some love in the <laughs> chat here uh from nick sievers uh manu uh, to give him a shout out brian says we miss you on the calls at emerald oh, downs very and, nice yeah very nice uh very mike nice. that Thank actually you. is going to lead us to the second leg of the late yes, it will. sequence at golden gate fields race 10 the lost in the fog stakes where we've got a six furlong synthetic sprint for 10 older males and matt there's only two southern invaders in this race does that mean that any port in a storm can win this for the third straight running this horse i tried to beat in this race last year i said he's coming off a layoff come on i'm gonna try to beat a horse like this and he ran the best race of his life that day the thing about this race is that better trip nick is a need the lead type of horse number four and the good news is i've actually spoke to jonathan wong about this horse and he says well if any port in a storm really wants to just go insanely fast out there i suppose we can lay second so now better trip nick's got that option but he's in a little bit of an interesting scenario because you don't want to let any port in a storm get a clear lead steve miyati this horse is coming off a layoff and Steve Mayotte is really good off of breaks. I mean, his horses are always fit off of layoff. That's not going to be a problem. The problem is whether he's not good enough or good enough, which would be a good thing in his case. So that's really the question you have to ask yourself. But there's a lot of speed, I think. I think those two are going to ensure a good pace. And by the way, Strong Constitution has entered at Santa Anita. A lot of people, of course, watching Santa Anita as well. From what I have been told, he is up here at Golden Gate Fields. He's going to scratch out of that Santa Anita race and run in this one. So he'll be in. That's good info. I didn't actually realize he was cross-centered. But, Mike, I know you like Strong Constitution, so that's got to be good news for you. That's excellent news. I'm only going too deep here, and Strong Constitution is one of the two I'm going to use. Before we get into it, first off, how awesome is it that any port in a storm has won the Lost in the Fog twice? I mean, that's an incredible name set up for it, especially not even by Lost in the Fog, by City Zip. So that's that's pretty awesome. And for people who don't know Lost in the Fog, make sure you check him out. I think he won 11 of 13, something like that, um, and, and broke his maiden at Golden Gate and then won at, won at Saratoga and the H. Allen Jerkins. He won the Swale, I think it was, at Gulfstream Park. So really, really cool horse, too. Um, 
yeah, I, I like strong constitution in this spot. I, I, I realize we're coming back from overseas and that's not always the most wonderful thing. But constitutions can handle the turf. They can handle the synth. They can handle the dirt. So I'm not worried at all about the, the synthetic surface. And when you look at how this race sets up, that to me is really the key. I mean, Matt mentioned it. Any port in the storm is going to be on this horse. You've got Murphy's Tiger, who went gate to wire last time as a 100-time form figure. You've got some speed on the rail. Better, better trip Nick absolutely needs the lead. You've got a lot of different horses that are going to stack up early here. I'm hoping that we can get three or four horses in, in a pace duel, and it sets up for someone coming off the pace. I think the best horse coming from off the pace is Strong Constitution. I think the race sets up really well for him. I think O'Neill um, is going to uh, – I think O'Neill is going to absolutely have this horse ready to fire. He's having a good meet over at Keeneland. He's having a lot of luck shipping horses out. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with O'Neill, trust him here, and hope that we're able to, to kind of run down the leaders early here at 9-2 to uh, and, and get over to the next leg. I, uh, I'm going to pass on him purely, almost purely because of the Dubai bounce. Um, you know, he, it's hard to say what kind of form he had in Dubai because it's an interesting situation to throw the horse into. Um, it, you know, he didn't win in three starts over there, only hit the board once, but maybe he just didn't like it. You know, it's a completely different scenario. Um, he does have that one synthetic try where it was going two turns and, you know, cutting back to sprinting is probably what this horse is going to be best at anyway. Um, I, I get mixed signals on him. I'm not going to use him, but it is interesting that, uh, that Matt brought up that he was going to be cross-centered at Santa Anita, but is going to scratch and stay. At Golden Gate, I'm going to pass on him. I actually, my top pick was any port in a storm. Matt did a beautiful job of explaining uh, why this horse is a great use, so I won't reiterate, but I went too deep. I used the five Cool Mountain Lad, and to me, this one's interesting. There's four entries in here that have time form early pace figs of at least 100. That includes any port in a storm. That includes Better Trip Nick, who I saw was getting a lot of love in the chat for his name, but this horse, if you scratch off two and three back because he drew inside, got buried and shuffled, he, you know, improve upon his career best effort last out. He could win this race. He could surprise you. And at eight to one, you know, I'm getting a horse that's five for nine sprinting on synthetic. Three times he was a runner up. I just think this horse is sitting on another career best effort. I don't know if he's going to do it, but uh, Matt, as the local guy, cool mountain lad, what are your thoughts? In this race, I think cool mountain lad is one of these horses that's very consistent. He loves the tapita and he's going to get the right trip. So I think you could be onto something. I don't think he's the best horse in the race, but like, like we mentioned earlier, sometimes horses with the best trips win these races. He is flying under the radar. He's for me considered a wise guy horse. I think he's a very solid contender. He ran a really good race last time out, and I think he's freshened up since that race. So trainer Victor Trujillo, who also, by the way, is a good trainer, he's going to have him ready to roll. Mike, I know you didn't use him. You just think he needs too much of a step forward? The one ultimate bingo and the five cool mountain lad were the two horses I considered. And I, I went with a big time price over both of them, but I thought both of them kind of got the correct setup here. Um, I'm a little worried that they've been beaten multiple times by multiple horses in here. So that's kind of what, what led me away from them. Italiano and better trip Nick had beaten ultimate bingo and cool mountain lad lost to ultimate to better trip Nick the two and three back. I agree with you. The trips weren't wonderful, but you're still going to have to work out a trip here. And there is going to be quite a bit of horses in front of him. So you're going to, have to be able to either swing five wide or get the right split coming into the lane to be able to make that run and with those both the one and the five i feel like everything has to go right for them to win they need that perfect trip versus uh someone like the six who i think maybe just have more talent to be able to overcome uh some of the issues that you run into other horse i'm going to use here let's go all the way to the outside uh another 20 to one shot we're trying to blow this thing up uh we talked about blaine Wright a little bit in the open 
Uh, I'm going to use 10, the 10 horse top executive here. Uh, shipping in from Emerald Downs. This horse has run twice at Golden Gate. Uh, one win over the synthetics. So I like the fact that we've got a win over the track. Last three times, won $50,000 stakes up at Emerald. Blaine Wright's very good trainer, does very well up there, obviously does well at Golden Gate. We've got uh, a, uh, a Rosco. I'm going to go the Rosco, who's going to be riding this horse for the fifth time in a row. Uh, this is a horse where I think he can sit a tactical trip, and to me, that's the key. The fact that we've won it a mile and a 16th, we've won it six and a half furlongs, the horse doesn't necessarily need the lead. The 10 post isn't the best post, but we're going to just kind of get a wide trip and see if we can win from outside and be able to run everybody down late. So I don't hate it either. Because, yeah, we may go a little bit further, but we're not getting stopped on the rail. We don't have to work out a trip like someone like the one-horse ultimate bingo so or bango. So, for me, I'm going to go with the 10-top executive, who we haven't seen in a while either. That's that's the other key here. I like horses first off the layoff as a four-year-old when they're aggressively placed like this. Blaine Wright, 20% in stakes races with a $7.91 ROI. That's freaking wild. $7.91 in stakes races on an ROI. You're getting 20 to 1 on him here. Very good on, off this type of layoff. 29% off 180-plus days. To me, this horse just makes a ton of sense, and the price is just massive. Yeah, 20 to 1. Uh, Matt, you brought up Lane Wright. Talk to us about Top Executive. Well, I have some inside info on Top Executive, actually. Oh, it's, no. It's, it's going to be 5 to 1 after this, isn't he? <laughs> and it's something that Mike's going to like. Yeah. He is fit, ready to go, according to trainer Blaine Wright. And I have talked to other people, not Blaine, but other people that watch workouts. And I've asked a couple of them, okay, what horses are sort of look good to you out in the morning? And a few people told me top executive. They say, we've been watching this horse. He's bigger. He's stronger. He's faster. Looks like mentally he's matured. He's finishing his work strong. He's training fantastic. So the reports that this horse is actually doing really well in the morning, and Blaine is not one to necessarily work his horses super fast all the time to begin with. So you see 115, 116, no problem. For Blaine, that's pretty typical. He wants him to finish the work strong. He'll throw a sharp half mile, as we saw actually with him a couple weeks ago, but this horse apparently is doing well. He's going to get the right trip. And keep this in mind, too. Last year, he was coming off a seven-and-a-half-month layoff. He went off at a big price, and he won an allowance race. And this year, he is coming off a seven-month layoff. He's in a tough spot, but he's got a good post. Do you think we get anywhere near 20-1, to 1, or am I, is it total pipe dream here that we're, we're sitting there? Yeah, I mean, that, that was wonderful. I'm not sure if I wanted you to say that, but it's absolutely wonderful to hear. Uh, I, um, I, do you think there's actual buzz around this horse? Like, are, are we going to be fighting to see double digits here, or do you think we might actually get somewhere in that 21 range? I think you could get somewhere in the 20-1 to 1 range because he won stakes at Emerald Downs. Uh, I think that this whole, what is it, top executive case of the Shrill Spite morning line. Yeah, right? <laughs> There were some scratches in there, to be fair, but 50 to 1 was a little ridiculous. <laughs> we uh, Top executive, I think I think you'll get a good price. He's winning some stakes at Emerald. There are going to be people that are going to ignore that, and I don't think they should. I think he's a really nice horse. Uh, and you're going to get the speed figures aren't quite as on par as some of these others. And keep that in mind, too, because I think – that buyers make a difference in the betting pools, especially when you, when you have people betting because there are probably going to be more people betting Golden Gate than typical, which means that you're going to get horses that are sort are excuse me, you're going to have people gravitating towards those horses, uh, buyers as a tool to try to figure out where do these horses fit. And especially with a horse coming from Emerald, that's something that probably a lot of people aren't used to really handicapping if they're 
handicapping Golden Gate today for either the first time or they do it just a few times a year, for example. So I think you'll get a pretty good price. 15 to 1, I'd be surprised if he was any lower than 12 to 1. I would be surprised. I think you're going to get 15 to 20 to 1. I love it. I think great like, tournament horse, too. If I, anyone's I, playing pick and praise, great I, tournament I, horse. Literally going to say Mike found his tournament horse in this race right there. Um, since, so you talked me onto the 10 as well. Uh, I had looked at the horse back and forth, and I was like, yeah, first time at four from Emerald. Um, I'm going to chuck all those and listen to the expert. Um, off of that, real quick before we move on, Matt, Charles wants to know, is the outside of the track better at Golden Gate? Here we're going six furlongs, so it's not as of a, much of a hindrance. I would say it depends on the day. That's just the honest truth. I've seen times where the outside is a good place to be down the lane, Horses are coming from the outside and winning. I've seen the track on the inside be very, very fair. I don't typically see that many golden rails here, though. I don't see horses needing the rail to win. I don't see that as much as maybe an outside bias at times, but I would say it depends on the day. Charles. <laughs> That's fair. Appreciate it, yeah. Charles. Uh, Mike, we got the penultimate leg of the late pick four up next, and this is the Camilla Urso Stakes going five furlongs. On the turf, we've got 10 older fillies and mares, plus two also eligibles. Jonathan Wong wants to win this race so bad, he put four entries in here. Two of them are on the outside looking in. Mike, did either of the Wong horses in the race make your top pick? Uh, yes, yes, yes. I leaned on the Wongs here. Uh, the sixth horse, Dynasty of Her Own, I thought was really interesting in this spot. Um, th there's some speed, but not like an overabundance of speed going five furlongs on the turf. I'm a sucker for sprinters with speed on the turf, and I, I feel like that the sixth horse is the speed of the speed in this spot. And, and when you look at Dynasty of Her Own, you look at some of the losses. I mean, it's at six and a half furlongs at Santa Anita in a stakes race. Makes the lead, not able to hold on. I'm totally willing to forgive that. Even some of the six furlong uh, races at Golden Gate over the synthetic makes the lead, not able to hold on. Again, totally fine with, with forgiving that one. You just draw a line through the last one. Uh, it was in a grade three down at Santa Anita. Uh, they went 22, 21 and three, 44 and two. Uh, Dynasty Rowan had absolutely no chance. I actually think still, well, it was only four horses. Ran third in the four horse field. So not going to give too much love for the third in the grade three. Um, but this is kind of getting back to the horses that she should be running against. I, I think that, that she fits really well here. So I'm going to put the sixth dynasty of her own on top. I had one other must-use horse, um, and that was the, the number four horse, never for uh, never for money, uh, out of the Andy Mathis barn, coming off of a layoff here, 37% off a layoff of the $3.69 ROI. And this is kind of the hedge to the six horse, if you will. I think Never for Money is the horse that's best coming from off the pace. So I'm going to take the horse who I think is the speed of the speed and then the horse who I think will sit the best trip if they do heat it up up front and they'll use the four and the six as my two must-uses. The uh, four was my top pick, and, and you put out uh, some great angles there. Matt, I'll throw it to you. Uh, we're, we're talking about the four and we're talking about the two Wong horses. Uh, help us out here. You're the local guy. What do you think about them? Yeah, I've got plenty of info on these guys here. Never for Money, we'll start with her. Another trainer, Andy Mathis, with a guy like Steve Miotti, they're very similar off of layoffs. They're really good at it. They're always fit. So this is not going to be a problem. And going five furlongs, it's probably a little easier to get a horse ready to go five than it is to go a mile first off a layoff, for example. But this gal, they've always liked. She's sort of run through her conditions, and she's very workmanlike. I mean, she's not one that's going to be flashy in the mornings, from what I've heard. She just is sort of steady, but she turns it on in the afternoon. So if you like her, just know that the fitness is not going to be a problem. Uh, the two Wong horses, I don't think either of them are going to be 5-1 to one or 6-1. to one. I think they're both going to go off a little bit lower. Uh, Sadie Bluegrass had just a terrible trip last year in this race, and she probably should have won. 
she's one of these mares that like 90% of the time she's on, she's really solid. She's just a hard knocking mare. Then there's the 10% of the time where she'll just throw in a clunker every once in a while. And you sort of are like, where'd that come from? Like in the last start. So she comes with her race. I think she's going to be dangerous. And even though dynasty of her own, I think she's better on the tapita. She didn't have the greatest trip on the grass last year in this race either. Both of these runners ran in the race. Uh, and she worked really well. I watched her workout on XBTV. You can go there to find her last work. And she looked better than ever in that workout on the training track. And I actually am good friends with the exercise rider that day, Eric Lopez. And I said, did that horse work as good as it looked on TV? And he goes, let me tell you, if she runs like that, she's going to be a handful in that race. The question is, can she stock and pounce? I think she's going to be fine at it because I think lots of peppers going. I think the two is going to send out of there and go 20 and four, 21 flat. So I think the pace is going to be fast with her in there. Dynasty of her own is going to try to keep up with her, I think. I ended up not using either Wong horse because I was a little okay. afraid of the speed setup here. It scared me okay. off. Mike, we, the four was my top pick. I almost actually singled. Um, I'm going to use the favorite here as well, the nine Rakasa. This is the only Southern invader in the field. Sports the buyers that are going to tower over a lot of this field. And really only one bad race since she came from Ireland to America. And that was in January 2020. Uh, or uh, Since she came in. January 2020. That bad race was two back. She was a complete mess in the gate, though. But like they're they're trying to prepare the horses to get them going. She's flipping up. She's jumping up. She almost flips. Um, the that race, you just completely scratch it off. She's actually facing an easier field in this race than her last two starts. The Daisy Cutter uh, that had six stakes winners and four of the five rivals in the optional claimer last out were already stakes winners. So that was not an optional claim. She's leaving another stakes race. Uh, Raymundo Secret is in there. She's a grade two winner. So that was a very, very classy optional claiming event. Uh, two things to not like. One, three to one. Nah, not a great price on this horse. It's coming up to Golden Gate. Uh, Jessica Pfeiffer. I love Jessica Pfeiffer. I've loved her since she started riding. She is ice cold right now, and I don't know if, if a change of senior Golden Gate's going to help her. I really hope it does. She's a great rider and a nice human being, but those are why I use her. Mike, why are you not? Well, we'll start with three to one. That's a problem. Um, I would want more of six or seven to one on this horse if I was going to play it. The second issue for me, and this is not like I'm, I'm getting a little nitpicky here, but we're carrying 123. Um, this horse carried 115 last time out because of that Piper advantage, and two back in a stakes race carried 119. 123 is a pretty big step up for first time off a layoff for a barn that is not wonderful first off a layoff here. Uh, so 14% with a 75 cent ROI. So if I'm taking the favorite who is stepping up in weight with an ice cold jockey with a barn that doesn't fire that well off the first time, I, I must not like anyone else in here. And so for me, I'm just, I would rather gravitate towards some other horses. I agree with all of your, your analyzation here. I do think this is a comparable field, maybe a little bit softer, but not drastically softer. And her best races all come when she is either on or very close to the lead. As Matt pointed out, it's going to be tough to be on or very close to the lead from the nine post with the two blitzing out of the gate and the six having a ton of speed coming off a, a crazy 34 and two, three furlong work. So I think it's a lot to ask off the layoff at that price with the jock, with the weight. with And so for me, I just... I decided to go elsewhere here. I did use the seven Sadie Bluegrass. I think this horse is going to get a trip. I mean, it, it, Matt talked about Dynasty of her own. Can she stalk? We know Sadie Bluegrass can stalk. And she's going to sit right behind those two horses because she's got tactical speed to be there. Uh, I think she could absolutely pounce on the top two, get first run, and be really tough to catch down the lane. And then, uh, you know, I kind of went back and forth. I'm going to go four deep here. I'm going to use the eight. Uh, Revelation. This horse has buyers that fit, has been good on the turf, good on synthetic. 
my my biggest issue here is the turf and the five furlongs. I'm concerned it's a little bit too short for this horse, but the closing speed is what caught me because I do think you could see this thing collapse even at five furlongs. And if they slow down at all going toward the wire, this horse is going to be flying. I also bet we get over seven and two on race day. I think this horse is going to float up a little bit. So I, I think you end up getting around five to one, six to one. And, and I just want the one dead closer in the field in case this just, just all hell breaks loose here. Matt, uh, that Jackie trainer combination of Alvarado McKenna is one I don't even have to look, and I know that is a that is a rock solid combination. So, uh, would you say that that is the best jockey trainer combination, or one of the best in the colony, or, or how would you rank it? It's definitely one of the best in the colony for sure. I mean, these guys have been teaming up together, Frank and Tim. Uh, Frank, he's a veteran horseman. He's fantastic. He's a really good rider. And him and Tim McCann have done really well. Another good jockey trainer combination, believe it or not, also involves Frank Alvarado, one that I really like. I have to give a shout out to these two, Frank Alvarado and Steve Speck. That's a very effective jockey trainer combination. Uh, But whenever you see Frank riding for Tim, pretty much it's a guarantee the horse is live. I mean, they're always ready to run when Frank's on those horses and Tim puts him on live horses. I would agree with Mike's analysis, though, on a side note. I think five furlongs is short. She's going to need the right trip. One of my favorite racers at Golden Gate, though, because of that big closing kick she's got. She tries hard every time, and she's actually out of a broodmare. Reba is tops, who was a multiple stakes winner, not just twice. I think she won like seven or eight stakes. And she's not a broodmare anymore. She's retired from being a broodmare, but I think she's produced four or five siblings, and pretty much all of them were really solid racehorses, all made in special weight winners, all allowance, stakes caliber runners. So uh, she's pretty cool. I just am a little concerned about that five furlongs. Top Harbor uh, sibling, stakes winner. Yeah. Calbred as well. I remember that horse. I was like, Reba's tops. I was like, that's familiar. Why do I know that? He'll uh, be back. Tim says he'll be back. He's on the farm. He'll be back, though. Top Harbor. Good. I was just noticing he still hasn't run in 2022. All yeah. right, Mike, final leg, late pick four. Let's do it. Race 12. And Matt, I've got really good news for you because yeah. this is the only race in the yeah. entire sequence where the home team is guaranteed to win. You have no <laughs> Southern California trainers in this race. Um, you do have the five autisms world who surprised me at 10 to one. This is my top pick that I think is potentially a gate to wire winner here. But uh, Matt, who stands out to you in this field? This is, well, I don't think anybody stands out in this case. I think it's a wide open race. Um, Glad he gives you the tough questions. (laughs) Yeah, right. Uh, You you know, it's too bad because I would have taken a shot with Memo Daddy if it wasn't for that post. But once I saw that post, I think a horse like him is very interesting. I think trainer Michael McCarthy, when he had him down south and he wasn't really competitive against allowance foes down there, he's like, you know what, let's just throw him in for 20 at Golden Gate. If someone claims him, someone claims him, and it is what it is. But he's better than people think he is. And I think against allowance foes at Golden Gate, which is typically a little easier, I think he fits. Uh, Rock Till You Drop looks like he's the morning line favorite. He's just one of these solid horses that uh, he was solid sprinting, and then he sort of lost form. Isidro Tamayo, who trained him before Ed Moger, started routing him, and he was just like a whole new horse routing. And he's done really well since. One horse that's eight to one that I think really can run a big race is Fridays at Shady. He's an old pro. I haven't made a top pick yet. I'm still sort of in the process of handicapping this card, but I'd probably lean towards him at eight to one. Um, he needed his race two starts to go off a layoff. Last time out, he ran a really good race behind Far West or in front of Far West. And Far West is a good horse, maybe not quite as good as these, but 
Friday's at Shady's won at this level before. He's got a good jockey, Evan Roman, riding, and the price looks right, at least on the morning line. So a very competitive race. Another race you could go many different ways, but I lean with the four. So I'm, I'm glad you brought up the four Fridays at Shady because I ended up not using this horse. It was like right on the cuff for me. So you might be able to talk me into this one. The reason was that $4,000 allowance. Like I, I don't understand the levels. So I, how big of a step up in class is this? Because I assume that was a rather large jump in class. And that to me was one of the biggest knocks against Fridays at Shady's. You mentioned one back, one at this level before. Is that a big jump up? Is it, is it kind of a comparable move? What's the 4000 allowance here to the 25N1X? So anytime you see a starter four, starter eight, starter 12-5 here at Golden Gate, it's essentially for any horse, and I believe this race would have been any horse that has won for $4,000 or less in 2020 through 2022. They are eligible for this starter. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a, I'm looking at magic there. Yeah, there's a big time span where you can be eligible for these conditions. Got and that one $32,000 race, or $3,200 race there on the card that's getting them in there. Yeah, and he uh, he was there was a back then, back in early 2021, late 2020. I think he was just really sour. He was a really sour horse. For whatever reason, he just wasn't running. He was losing a few races. His confidence went bad. He was always a very sound horse from what I've been told, but he just mentally was not getting into it. And once he won for 3,200, if you all look at the page, you can see it on the racing form, the past performances. This horse just said, okay, all right, I'm back here. And then he started going up the class ladder. Uh, So because he ran for $3,200, he's eligible for the starter four. What's really interesting is these these starter allowance races are they're peculiar but you get these horses that like this horse that's really a high claimer allowance type of horse but they won you know on you know january 1st 2020 for four thousand dollars and they run in this race and uh i don't think this is a huge bump up in class sometimes these starters come up very light other times they come up stronger and i think that was a decent race because far west is going well on the same token, known who ran third that day, he's an eight thousand dollar claimer, but he was also about ten lengths behind those other two. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So, I think that the it's a little bit of a step up in class, but I don't think it's as as significant as it looks. Um, for example, Rebellion. Uh, she was, or no, not Rebellion. Yeah, Rebellion and Sadie Bluegrass ran against each other in a starter twelve five race a few yep. months ago because both runners had been in for twelve five. Sadie Bluegrass broke her maiden for 12.5. Rebellation won a 12.5 non-two line. So, you know, that's a little stake right there if you look at the top two. And, and what is the purse usually for like a $4,000 starter allowance? Is it just the four grand or is there bigger purses and that's just a number? Uh, that Yeah, that's not the purse. That's just the, the condition. I would say the purse, I don't know off the top of my head, I would say what, 18 to 22,000 and the first year is 31,000, I believe. So, you know, a little bit of a difference. I would say it's a little bump up in class, but it's not as significant. It's not like they were running against $4,000 claimers. Let's put it that way. Yeah, exactly. Well, if you're running for 18, that's a great spot to be in with that horse, right? Because you know you're going to catch the first or second check, and that's that's a great way to kind of come back from the layoff. And those first two races kind of get the form underneath you before you step up into this type of race. I mean, men did. I don't know if you folks remember men did a few years ago and she won like nine or 10 in a row for John Martin. She ran in a starter 12, five race up here and then proceeded to run in a grade one at Santa Anita and lost by about a neck. 
So because she was eligible for the starter allowance, John Martin said, OK, we're going to run her in an easy spot here. And then she went on to run in the grade one and win the uh, sunshine. No, the, the claiming crown at Goldstream Park. She won a race over there. So sometimes you get these really nice horses that the race comes up. They're looking for a race. They can't find a race. They want to get a prep into them. They throw them in these starter races and they win. Hmm. Uh, Matt, you you laid out perfectly why I'm using Fridays at Shady. It was all about that confidence booster that sent Jack Steiner, man. That's what I noticed before you came on. It's like, I like what he's doing with these horses. So I used him and I used the five. Mike, I went three deep and the third horse I, I use is what we agree on. That's the nine draw the foul at 10 to one. We've got a stretch out maiden winner facing older winners for the first time. Uh, talk to you, the folks about why we like the nine. Well, I kind of like speed um, it, just in, in general in these spots. The six horse, uh, I'm sorry, the five horse uh, Autism's World is the other horse that, that has speed. But I, I think you might actually see defer to the nine horse who's coming out of sprint races here. Five and a half and six furlongs has the higher time form number. Twenty two seconds for the first quarter last time will definitely clear this field if we want to go that fast. Probably won't get the distance if we go that fast, but it'll definitely clear the field at least. Um, I, I like the fact that look, the giant, Giants Causeway horses stretch out. Well, they love synthetics, so I'm, I'm happy with both of those angles. And then you look at that maiden special weight, man. That race came back solid. So uh, you feel the sixth there. We've got both the second-place finisher, who was a length and a half back one next time out, and the third-place finisher. So you've got multiple next-out winners. Um, and I like the, the, the fact that the horse took a nice step forward here. Uh, buyer improved by 16 points. So that's a, that's a nice jump up. Um, a lesser-known barn with Greg James, but we're two for 11 for the meet, two for 11 for the year. So I'm, I'm not going to knock that portion of it. I think this is your candidate to go wire to wire in a spot where he may kind of just get loose. And if autism's world doesn't press, you might see a 24, 49. And all of a sudden you're worried about the sprinter who's got a lot left turning for home. Uh, Matt, because I, I actually saw a little different than Mike. I thought the five would lead and the nine would stalk just outside. But we're both kind of seeing the pace similarly. How do you think this is going to work? Break the tie for us. I, I think the five's going because I think he needs to. Um Draw the foul, I think, actually has a little more sprint speed. Um, but I think the five's going, and he's drawn inside, and I don't think Billy's going to mess around on this horse. Julian Couton, who's riding number nine, draw the foul. He can take horses back, but he's also one that's pretty aggressive. I would say the pace will be contentious. I don't think either are going to be that far off. I want to note, too, just really quickly, that draw the foul – Greg James, who trains his horse, is not necessarily one to crank his horses up first out. So the fact that he took that step forward second time out was not a surprise to me. And I think that this trainer here, Greg James, is doing this old school two sprints to a route move. I think this horse is going to be better routing. So if you like them, you've got some upside here at a little bit of a price. I like it. Mike, uh, I'll t uh, turn it back over to you. I'm struggling to speak here. Who are your next horses? Yeah, I got two horses left, and I've got to kick one off the ticket here to get the four on. Um, I'm using the six, who's the favorite, and I think makes a ton of sense here. So I'm not going to spend too much time on this horse. The pace should set up well. We talked about it. We've got multiple speed horses in here. Has a nice closing kick on, on Rock Till You Drop. So I, I think the six is a horse that, that you have to use. It was one of my two must-uses. I guess I'm cutting the two here because the other must-use for me was the one whiskey and wine. First off the claim for Jonathan Wong. Uh, this horse has some some nice back races. If you go back to some of the, the 62 N2X uh, over this track, the horse has been very impressive. And 25 races over this course already as a five-year-old, but has hit the board nine of those 25 times. Um, and, and seems to run well each time. If Jonathan can get this horse to take a, a slight step forward, Look out. I, I, the, the one could be awfully tough here uh, in wine and whiskey. So I'm going to go with the one. 
the two horse bottle of smoke is the horse I'm going to cut here to get the four Friday at Shady's on my ticket. Uh, so if you want to spend a little more, bottle of smoke would be the horse I would use. Or if we have a scratch, bottle of smoke would be the next horse on for me. But I'm going to end up going one, four, six, nine in this spot. Matt, how tough is Jonathan Wong first off the claim when he's not going to a stakes race? <laughs> he's tough. He's very tough. Um, he does a good job. I mean, he wins at about 27% the last year or two first off the claim, and he's got a big sample size. But again, and this is not a knock on Jonathan, the betters will gravitate towards him. And you get times where these horses are six to five, eight to five, and they should be five to two, three to one. It's more competitive. Um, you know, he's done pretty well with final final comes off a win last time out, but wine and whiskey's this back class horse. The last couple of races have been sort of poor. Uh, so he's a big time question mark. I would try to beat him in a race like this because Jonathan's a good trainer, but he needs to get him to improve quite a bit in this race. And I, I like the morning line because I think it's fair. I think that this horse probably off his recent races should be higher than four to one. But on the same token, you've got a trainer, Jonathan Wong, that says, well, first off the claim, he's your leading trainer. So I think people are going to give it a shot with him on the rail. Well, that, the rail to me was a big part of this. If you look two and four back, we faced Tom Surprise, a horse we talked about who's in the, the, the San Francisco mile. And the last two times drew the eight out of the 10 posts, and I believe all the way to the outside, if I remember, eight out of 10, seven out of eight. And that last trip was four wide, four wide, uh, dropping back down to the N1X route, uh, number. So the fact we are on the inside was one of the main reasons I, I ended up gravitating toward the horse. So Matt, do you like the two more? Should I be on the two instead of the one? Is that where? <laughs> oh, I, you know, that's a, that's a tough call. Bottle of Smoke, I liked him a couple races up this level, and he just is a bit inconsistent. And he sometimes he has this hanging tendency. This horse, he just he's he looks like he's ready to run on, and he doesn't. He sort of plods in place. That's a that's a tough one. I mean, I I wish I could help you with this. I don't know. That's a tough one. Maybe if you could look in your wallet and you know find a little more change, maybe you add both of them on there. Find the extra twelve bucks in there somehow. Oh, I mean, right. if we get two twenty to one shot home, and I picked the wrong one in this race, I'm gonna be pissed. I didn't spell, spend the extra twelve bucks. <laughs> I, I I see. I like if I'm making a ticket, I'm probably trying to be both of them personally, but that's just me personally. You know, I like it. I like want to talk you off of anything. <laughs> He's only the voice of the track in the simulcast host, Mike. He doesn't want to talk. <laughs> we'll just get the four or the nine home, and everyone's happy. Exactly, yeah. We'll do that. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Magic Mike Show. Thanks for joining Mike and I and our special guest, Matt Dinnerman, the voice of Golden Gate Fields, for talking about Saturday's late pick four. Matt, I know you're an extremely busy guy. You were eating breakfast, you were eating brunch while we were getting ready to start the show. So I'll let you get out of here early. But uh, one last time, plug your big, big weekend that you have coming up at Golden Gate Fields. So we've got Gold Rush weekend. That's right. Uh, we've got 12 races on Saturday. $100,000 guaranteed in the late pick five, $200,000 guaranteed in the late pick four, big card, six stakes races. We went over the pick four sequence, fantastic sequence. Sunday, we've got 10 races. The overnight just came out. Late pick four guaranteed at 200000 as well. Late pick five guaranteed at 100 just like Sunday. And then tomorrow's card, too. Mike mentioned it. You want to tune in. We're the only Southern Cal or I'm sorry, we're the only California track in the daytime running. And we've got a $50,000 guarantee in the late pick five and a $100,000 guarantee in the late pick four. And it's a pretty good little card. I need to dive into it in a little bit, but it looks pretty solid. So all week, you know, it's a festive time up here for Northern California racing people. 
if you're looking at a California track this weekend, if you're looking at a West Coast track this weekend, Golden Gate is the easy choice. I mean, great sequences, big fields, lots of great betting opportunities. So it's a awesome time to to take advantage of of these these fields and these these races. I mean, look yeah. at this. It got up on the screen here. You've got starting at race uh, starting at race seven. You have fields of eight, nine, fourteen, ten, twelve, eleven. And then even in earlier, I bet some of those smaller races, smaller field races, you can find a couple spots to get a price home. So, Matt, once more, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Uh, have a great weekend, a successful weekend. Best of luck to you, my friend. Thanks, guys. Always a pleasure chatting with you. Good luck. We'll have some fun this weekend. Sounds great. We'll, uh, Thanks, we'll get back Matt. in touch with you when uh, summer hits and you're off. And then I know you start focusing on Del Mar a little bit. So, we'll Please do. You know where to find me. I'll be around. He is on Twitter at three, the number three, Colts Handicap. If you're not following him, you're doing something wrong with your life. Fix that at the number three, Colts Handicap. Matt, take care, buddy. We'll see you later. All right, guys. Have a good one. You too, buddy. All right, Mike. We let Matt go. Uh, busy, busy guy. We're going to go ahead and give out our pick four tickets one last time. So take a look down below. Uh, Mike and I have both been uh, changing on the fly, but I think yours is updated as well there, Mike. I'm going to start off going four, five, six, ten, twelve, then two, five, ten, then four nine, then four five nine. That's forty five dollars. And when this show started, that was a twenty four dollar ticket. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed that your wallet got a little fatter there, or, or a, little fatter. a little less fat by the end of this, I should say. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to play. A, I'm going to play a fifty cent ticket here. I'm going to go with four six ten with six ten. With four six seven eight, with one four six nine, uh, it'll cost you forty eight bucks for fifty cents. I'm honestly excited to bet the ten horse in the second leg of this now, a twenty to one, and the nine horse in the last. Based on what Matt said, based on the fact that I always already was high on those two horses, uh, it seems like some real value on both of those sitting on the morning line. A twenty to one for the ten horse uh, in the what is that, the tenth race, and uh, ten to one on the nine horse in the twelfth race. So those are going to be tournament horses for me, and horses I I will be be firing a little uh, cheddar at as long as we get something near that on, on race day. <laughs> And speaking of tournaments, if you're interested in playing a tournament against Mike and myself, the other racing dudes, uh, Dr. Brand, who likes to beat our ass on a regular basis, we have the third Racing Dudes Tournament Challenge starting tomorrow, Friday, April 29th. So if you're a Racing Dudes a premium member, it just costs you 10 bucks to go enter. Go to your picks dashboard and scroll down. You'll see the link right there. If you're not a premium subscriber, do it right now. We've got... Uh, if you sign up for a monthly subscription for the next two months, you have the Kentucky Derby Guide, the Preakness Guide, and the Belmont Guide all coming out. Uh, that Those three guides pay for your two-month subscription. That's it. So if you're going to buy those three guides, buy the monthly subscription. It's going to pay for everything, and it gives you access to this really great tournament. Mike, uh, you did a great video that's on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash racing dudes. But real quick, tell the folks about this tournament. Yeah, it's awesome, man. It's, uh, it's, if you're subscribing, you get the both guides for free, so both the Kentucky Derby and the Preakness Guide. You get your money back right there for one-month subscription. And then you're eligible to play in these tournaments, 10 bucks to enter, uh, cash prizes for the top three, I believe, maybe sometimes the top five, depending on how many people are in there. And then uh, we're seeding the pool with $150 worth of uh, horse training site credit so you can jump in some other tools if you are the highest subscriber in the tournament. So Miranda did not take home the site <laughs> credit last time. Uh, so make sure you check it out. We'll also have a live show. I believe it's 4.30 to 5.30 tomorrow. We'll cover the last couple of races, talk about tournament strategy, Strategy and just have a good old time heading into the weekend. So make sure you check it out. Head over to racingdudes.com. The video will walk you through the steps once you're a subscriber on how to get into the tournament. Yep, it is uh, literally, it's right here. Exclusive Racing Dudes Tournament Challenge continues. Beat the dudes, win cash prizes. Uh, I, it was a lot of fun on the live show two weeks ago because Jared and I both had the same horse in the last that got us from like the bottom 
uh, I ended up hitting the top three. So that was pretty fun. It basically paid for my entry and uh, I think like $7 on top of that. So uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, real quick, I, I wanted to let Matt go because uh, we, we took a bunch of his time. But uh, Charles has a question for you. In the last, this is about the Jonathan Wong horse that you're using. The fact that the horse is in for a tag and an optional claiming it, does it sway your mind? Talk to him. No. Not really. Uh, it's for me at that level that you see horses get traded quite a bit at Golden Gate. You want to put them in places they could win. I think that uh, going in for a tag against N1X versus not going in for a tag against N2X is a, a, a better spot to bring the horse back. So it doesn't bother me that much. Um, so I, I think it's a pretty good spot. It's a good question, though. Um, and it's it's like with everything in horse racing, it's case dependent. In this specific situation, Jonathan Wong just claimed him for 25000 out of the exact same race setup and is running him right back. So yep. the fact that he's coming back at the same spot means Jonathan Wong looked at the horse and went, there's nothing wrong with him that necessitates dropping him to even lower. So I think that it's a, it's a fair sign that he's in this. There's nothing one way or the other other than, yeah, Jonathan Wong, first off, the claim is uh, 26 27%. So uh, you mentioned earlier, Charles, that Jonathan Wong set up to have a huge day. So he could be. Uh, I'm not using anything, any Jonathan Wong horses. Mike, this is going to be a very painful Monday, maybe. <laughs> that's, that's odd for you. Normally, you are all over Jonathan Wong horses, so I'm surprised. I need you to go over the rails. I got like four things. And Ruben Fuentes. We got and Ruben Fuentes. I'm 0 for, 0 for 4 on the Ruben horses. All right. We, you want to go over the rails, you said? Yeah. I got like four things. We got to go over them. Got to oh, fall over the rails. No antics of any kind ah! except speed. And there we go with the antics. Nobody asked I love the slow jams. It is a great song. I just have I typed in over the rails. And that's what came up. All right. Go for it, Mike. Pete Aiello and then the slow jams. Amazing. First, Brett. Check your DMs on Twitter. That's all I got on that one. Nick, congratulations, man. He popped the pick five yes. uh, at Keelan for a buck. We, 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 I saw it going on in the chat. Yeah. Tyler Gasleyon took him wire to wire, Keelan. So congratulations, man. Um, next one. I mentioned this on Twitter. So if you're following me on Twitter, you probably saw this yesterday. Uh, Oscar performance, my boy. Uh, this is a horse that was very, 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 very good uh, on the turf. Very good early, very fast early. Had two horses, first two two sons of Oscar Performance debuted today at Keeneland. It had a four to one winner with Flavian Pratt. The horse looked awesome. Uh, I think Oscar Performance is going to be one of the breakout, well, one of the breakout freshman sires. So we've never seen his horse at the track before, but I think he's going to have a very good turf season. Keep out for uh, keep your eye out for Oscar Performance on both synthetic and on turf because I think you're going to see some good stuff from Oscar Performance. So I wanted to make sure I called that one out. Magic, you an Oscar Performance lover? Oh yes. Did you know I, the I name? I love the name of the horse that won. What's that? The name of the horse that won. This specific race? Yeah. And the winner is. It's a great name for a horse by Oscar Performance. Like, because you got, you know, you're walking up, you got the envelope, the whole thing. So, uh, very well done there. And then the second one we got to talk about. How about Patna, baby? We had to bring it up. Uh, We somehow got two to one on Patna, uh, who had a, a Chad Brown horse that was uh, that drew in i think it was chad and i rad on a first time starter so it was a one and one a patna broke out of the gate went wire to wire why are we mentioning it patna was the first horse on stable him up you got two to one in an easy single in a tough race uh if you were if you watched that and, and picked it up and why am i mentioning it again we'll have another stable up coming very shortly i found a horse today at laurel that i need to talk about uh that i, I had in a tournament i'm pretty frustrated about but as a horse that you should 100 stable up and i'm actually going to go a little into the handicapping side of it of why i like the horse and then why I think if we run back in the correct spot, you need to play this horse back. So 
Uh, we will we'll talk a little bit about that in the next Stable Em Up segment that should be live the next uh, probably Monday or Tuesday, I'm guessing, Magic, because we got a little going on right now. Um, so that one will probably be up uh, sometime soon. So make sure you subscribe to the Racing Dudes YouTube page. You can subscribe down below if you're watching this live or watching the replay. Um, and uh, you'll get all those different Stable Em Up notices as well as all the Kentucky Derby coverage we're working on. Yeah, by the way, Kentucky Derby's coming up in nine days. I don't know if anybody's aware of that one. Uh, over at racingnews.com and youtube.com slash racingnews, we're doing a live daily show during the weekdays. So we have another one Friday and then Monday through Thursday next week, and it's just the three or four of us or whoever ends up showing up just talking about the day, the news of the day. We start it at noon central, so 1 Eastern and 10 uh, Pacific. Uh, join us in the chat. It's a lot of fun. We talk about Barber Road, and we talk about other horses that might be uh, named uh, something other than Barber Road, but it's a lot of fun, so make sure you tune into that one. Uh, we'll be back for that one, and uh, thank you, Dr. Tang, my son. I cannot believe I'm on Sunday. I'm going to be the father of a one-year-old. Wild. Uh, I'm still. I'm currently struggling to deal with that mentally while we come up to Kentucky Derby Week. But hey, thank you so much for joining Mike and I. We really appreciate you as always. Uh, thanks again for uh, to Matt Dinnerman for joining us. He is at the number three Colts handicap on Twitter. Make sure you follow him. He really is fantastic. Uh, I think that's about. It. Is there anything else? Oh wait, blinkers off. They'll be on some point this is why you yeah, need to subscribe today. the notification bell they never have yeah. that time they just go <laughs> we're always late and you never know when they're going to be on right exactly hey there we go put the overlay <laughs> up one last time um thank you again uh i am at curtis keller he is at some of 18 number one rate corporate overlords at racing underscore dudes the inside track to the kentucky derby wagering guys available for pre-sale and if you are a premium subscriber you get that for free or get that included and you also get to be in the tournament challenge we will see you tomorrow at 4 30 eastern right 4 30 eastern time Yep. 4.30 Eastern, we'll be here at YouTube covering uh, all the tournament stuff. Please join us. Until then, I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. Have a good day, boys. This has been a presentation of RacingDudes.com, your destination for all things horse racing and sports betting. Whether you want free winners, expert insider picks, up-to-the-minute trackside weather reports, or podcasts and videos for bettors of all skill levels. Never make another wager without visiting the Racing Dudes 